anyway, she is a Psalm 91. It's been her journey. And she comes to this house. Books have been written, many books on Psalm 91 by this family, Peggy Joyce. I don't know if she's here this morning. But God spoke to me about it, that this is a covenant, a promise. And the things that we want to do to make sure that they acknowledge it. And I'm like, there he is. Right there, there's my speaker too. So God confirmed what he wants you to hear this morning. We are at the culmination of, of servants in your life. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about it. Church was just not a place to come sit on Sunday morning. I hope you felt good. You were supposed to be getting guidance for an hour, well, the whole journey called life, if you have met up with an hour where all of it is coming to your attention. You were supposed to compile everything that you ever knew and change your spirit about what you do and what you don't do in this hour. This is a culmination of events, a culmination of promises. As a matter of fact, Psalm 91 has been walking down a path along with this family for decades. Even since she was a child, Psalm 91 has been there. It's been a covenant promise that God is about to enact from the very hour. You're about to see the very exposure of a covenant promise, and you're going to love the words of Him as they meet your heart today. Amen? So I'm going to, without further ado, Angie, come on up here. Would y'all encourage her this morning? This is a true authority, and I thought, dear God, there's no way she's going to be able to do this. It's in one big shot, but you better pull out your notebook. There's a lot of juice here, amen? All right, one more encouragement. God bless you, sir. Good morning. Pastor Todd, thank you. So, well, we're going to have an exciting story this morning, and you're going to learn something, and I guarantee you'll go away with something. And these are the days that we need Psalm 91. I mean, it comes at us so fast. So I just thank Pastor Todd for doing this. I'm going to tell you a story. This illustrates the need for Psalm 91. But there was a uh, random encounter that happened between two people that I know. And one was an old friend and one was a new friend. And Donna was the old friend. And she and I had smuggled Bibles into China together. And Donna is a real character. She just has that unique thing about her where she has a way with words. Now Jennifer, on the other hand, was a young, striking, confident girl. And she had met with me for the first time as a senior at Howard Payne with only five weeks left before she graduated. Well, in that five weeks, I had started discipling her, but her discipleship had been moving quite slowly. But Jennifer decided she was called to Africa, and she signed up for a nine-month stay in Africa. Yeah. So we started out memorizing scripture. And I had three scriptures that I felt like Jennifer was supposed to get, and it took her five weeks, but she had them memorized. And let me just say this about Jennifer. She was very proud of her scriptures. There were three salvation verses, and she was also very proud of the good use she put them to because she had some cult members come to her door in the city she lived in, and her family didn't know what to say with all their scriptures they were using on her. Well, she opened her mouth, and out came these three verses that she had memorized, and it confounded those people. And she literally was able to speak to them about Jesus Christ. And so anyway, she was quite happy with her three verses. She was uh, really happy of how well they had worked. So anyway, I was working with Jennifer. I was trying to get her to sell out completely to the Lord. And so uh, she needed a little bit of extra discipleship, besides our Bible study and just coming to meet with me. So she visited our church. She went over and she went and she met with Donna. And Donna, of course, begins inquiring into her life. Jenna's all excited, and she's telling her, she says, I'm going on a mission trip to Africa. You know, I'll be over there nine months. And she's thinking Donna's going to be real excited about it. And Donna just replies, looking at her straight, she said, Well, I'm sure Angie's told you about Psalm 91. And Jennifer looks at her, and she goes, No, she hasn't. Donna was very impatient with this. She said, Jennifer, you're leaving for Africa in a few weeks. I'm sure you've studied Psalm 91 with Angie. No, 
What's that? I haven't ever heard of Psalm 91. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking the same thing. What's the big to do about it? I've never heard of Psalm 91. Donna looks at her and she goes, you don't know what Psalm 91 is? And I can picture Donna's face right now as she said it. And then her mouth opens up. And out of her mouth came, Jennifer, Angie must hate you. <laughs> well, Jen was taken aback by that. She goes, why would you say that? And she goes, she's letting you go to Africa without telling you about Psalm 91. <laughs> so anyway, Jim came around that corner. She was shaking. She sees where I am. Her face was ashen. And she said, why would you not tell me about Psalm 91? She said, Donna says you hate me is why you're letting me go to Africa without knowing about Psalm 91. She said, you must want to get me killed. Well... I could say many things right now about Donna, but I can say this, she can sure get your attention. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to tell you about Psalm 91. You know, I know there's a whole lot of churches out there, and they've never heard one story, one sermon on Psalm 91. And you know, I can hear Donna's voice right now. They must hate you if you've never heard about your covenant of Psalm 91. You know, I was thinking about Donna. She really nailed me on that. I mean, she let me have it. You know, I was thinking about this. There's some of you, and there's people out there that have been Christians for years, and you've never studied Psalm 91. Donna would look at you and say, you must hate yourself to not study Psalm 91. But you know, if you look into the commentaries, let me tell you how great the psalm is. The psalm is so powerful and so shocking with what it promises. The commentaries will tell you it's not saying what it's saying. Every commentary would say, it doesn't mean this. It tries to give you back doors to a psalm that has no back doors to it. There is nothing in that psalm but straightforward. Every promise you need for your life's protection is written in one psalm. Amen. It makes no apologies. It makes no, let's say, it's not meaning what it's saying. I mean, the commentaries go crazy on it trying to rewrite it and write it out of there. You know, I get tickled at commentaries that are allergic to miracles. It's like it takes liquid paper and they try to, you know, wipe them out. That tells you how astounding these words are and these promises that the commentaries are completely afraid of it. Amen. Let's approach it the way that the Bible approaches it. You know, you didn't write these words. I didn't write these words. My mom didn't write these words. God wrote them. And he must have meant them if he wrote them. If the Holy Spirit's going to say them, he means them. Now, if we'd written them, it'd be pretty presumptuous to claim that God would say these things to us. They're audacious promises. But he said them. And it's up to us to believe them. And so what I was going to tell you is, Pastor Todd loves you. That he wants you to know you have a covenant of Psalm 91. He wants to pastor you. He wants you covered. He wants you to walk in here with confidence and walk out of here the rest of the week with Psalm 91 pumping through your body. So a covenant. You're entering into a covenant with God when you agree with God's words. What you're going to do is read what God says. We're not going to try to change it. We're not going to try to get rid of it or squeeze the meaning out of it. But we're going to agree with what God tells us. And your part is you're either going to rely on your covenant or you're not. It's your covenant. In fact, we have a covenant written out where we put a space in it. And you can fill your name in it. Or you can put your loved one's name in it. Or if somebody's overseas fighting in any kind of conflict, put their name in it. You can put your family's name in it. 
We've made it easy for you. We printed them off, and there's enough for everyone here. And so they're free in the back. It is your covenant that God has made you for Psalm 91. And you can rely on it, and you can put expectation on your covenant. If God's going to say it, then he must be big enough to back it up. And we must have enough courage to believe it. You know what I noticed about Psalm 91? There's no expiration date on it. It didn't say it's going to stop when Revelation begins. <laughs> it didn't say these promises are true until we're wiped off the earth and become greasy spots. We're facing horrible waves of the devil's anger. And he has come in great wrath because his time is short. And he wants to stop your goal of what we must do, and that's take in the harvest. And you don't need to go out unprepared without knowing Psalm 91 in your heart. Now this has been a lifetime journey for my family. So I'm going to impart into you what we've learned in one session. And you're going to soak it up. And all you've got to do is put your receiver on and say, Lord, I receive the power I need to live in the days we face. I'm not going to be afraid for my children. I'm not going to be afraid for those that I love. I'm going to receive your power and your protection and your love. This lesson can save your life. God appointed you to be here for this day. You know, we're going to start with verse 1. And literally, you could read verse 1 and it be enough. Just the way it starts. Just the intimacy of the verse. You know, when you hear someone say this verse and you read these words, it's like it starts pumping inside of you. You know what verse this is. You know, we all love Psalm 23. But you're going to love Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's an invitation to you. It's an invitation to protection. Now, I'm going to be using the New American Standard Bible because it's the one I grew up with. My Greek class at Howard Payne liked the Greek. The New American Standard Bible, I hope the Hebrews is strong. <laughs> So, number one, you're going to hear the names of God. In the first two verses, the psalmist refers to God by two names in the first two sentences of Psalm 91. He calls him the Most High. Wow, he's high. We've got to look up. We've got to be up. We've got to be seated. The Most High. Then he calls him the Almighty God. We're dealing with sovereign power. I like comparing my problems to him. He's higher than all my complex problems. And he's more powerful than anything we face. But notice what it says next. In the next sentence, it calls him Lord. And you've got to make him the Lord of your life. I sell out to him, Lord. I give you everything. You're the Lord of my life. And then it gets real personal. It says, my God. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. He's so high, but he's not out of reach. Amen. He's the most high, but he loves us enough to bring us up with him. You know, when we're in Israel, when the Jews pray, the word that they use here is so sacred. They don't allow anyone to say that name. With us, Jesus made it so personal. He called him our Father. Amen. So we're addressing the names of God here. And you're approached with who God is in four different ways. And I see a journey in it where it takes you to an intimate relationship with him. The names of God. And then it's funny, of all things it could say that God protects us with, his shadow <laughs> you think, really? But when it's God's shadow, 
God's completely light. We stand in his shadow. You know, when I was a kid, I noticed people would back away from me, but I was standing in my dad's shadow. <laughs> You're standing in your father's shadow. The shadow of the Most High. In Numbers 14, 9, you're going to see something interesting in the margin about shadows. It talks about the shadow departs. And when the shadow departs off of a people group, they're no longer protected. You know, that makes me think of the United States. We almost didn't support Israel. We don't want our shadow departing. We are one nation under God, under his shadow. And you see here the shadow. You can write down Isaiah 16, 3 through 4. Cast your shadow and be a hiding place to me from the destroyer. Oh, Lord, be my hiding place. Psalm 17, 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye and be the shadow of or be under your wings. Aren't those beautiful words? Shadow. You know, we don't think of shadow as the way that God protects us. But right now, step into his shadow. And then the romantic language. I love this concept. That it's protection for the dweller with the secret place. As a kid, didn't you enjoy being in a secret place? Oh, we all had our secret places, our hideouts, the places we would go. It's protection for the dweller. It's a literal protection. Now, the problem with this is not all Christians dwell. Not every Christian is a dweller. So this has to be addressed in your life right now. Do you dwell here? This is where God is inviting you to. The protection, the literal, the secret place. You know, my mom tells a story about fishing with her, her dad when she was growing up, and he had loaded the whole family up in a boat, and she was so excited. It was my mom and her brother and her sister and her mother and her dad. Of course, this was my grandfather, and I called him Pappy. I was the first grandchild, and I was like, oh, Pappy could make anything so much fun. So he'd take them fishing. He'd into Lake Brownwood, and he got them cane poles, and up would pop this perch. Now the kids were just pulling those perch out as quick as they could. Well, they didn't realize my grandpappy had an ulterior motive on this. He was taking those perch, and he was baiting his trot line. Now in Texas, I don't have to explain to you what a trot line is. But he'd bait his trot line, and they'd bait those hooks with the trot line. And then all of a sudden, he'd reach down in the water, and my grandfather's strong arms, he played football for Howard Payne. I mean, he'd reach down in there. My grandmother said he looked like Clark Gable. <laughs> he'd reach down in that water, and he'd pull out a big cat. Now, we know what that is. And so in the middle of the boat was this catfish, and it was squirming around, and they had so much fun. And my grandfather had a racket going on because he had his three kids fishing, pulling those perch out. And he was getting those catfish for their big catfish fry. But suddenly a storm came up on the lake. And I'm going to read this to you in my mom's words of what happened. As the storm came up on the lake, it came up so fast they couldn't get back to the dock. And the clouds were rolling and the lightning was flashing. The rain was dropping they didn't have a weather app on their phone those days. And this beautiful day had turned into a day when she looked at her mother's eyes. There was fear in her mom's eyes. You know, it had gone from the most beautiful fishing day to suddenly the sky had began to darken. My grandfather realized, I can't get that boat back to the dock. So guess where he went? To that island on Brownwood Lake being quick thinking, he pulled his boat up onto the undeveloped shoreline at that point, and he took this boat, it was abandoned then, and he turned the boat up on the side, and he had a tarp in there, and he spread that tarp over his family, and quickly as he had grabbed it, he knelt on the ground, and he pulled it around the five of them. That storm raged outside. 
She said you could hear those raindrops hitting. You know, the rain had actually hurt the skin. They were coming down so fast, so cold. The lightning was flashing, the thunder rolled, and the waves crashed on the shoreline. You know how it is when you're a kid, and you're in one of those storms. Your kids, they come running for your bedroom, the outbreak of the storm. You go running for your kid's bedroom. You're scared. My mom felt that storm. My grandmother had been so afraid. But there was something that happened at that moment. She says, all I could think of was when he got that tarp over the five of us, he stretched his arms out and he put them around his family. As the storm raged around us, she said, I experienced a special peace that's hard to explain. I have never felt that safe and secure in my entire life. I remember thinking, I wish this storm would last forever. I didn't want anything to spoil the wonderful security I felt there in our hiding place. My pappy's arms. I loved looking at his hands. She looked at his arms over her shoulder. And as a little girl, under the strong arms of her father, she said to herself, I wish this storm would never end. Are we experiencing that? Can you feel those arms? You need to think of the most secure place that you can possibly think. This is your secret place. Those strong arms with the storm raging outside and the canvas over you and it's makeshift and it's abandoned but you feel so protected with your dad's arms around you. You've got to practice getting into those arms. They're strong arms for the storms we face. You know, I would tell you the thing that we're going to have to have to go through the times we're in is core trust. In the deepest part of who you are, You've got to have that peace that passes human understanding. You know, when the peace is ripped off the earth, when it's completely taken away, you're not going to make it if you haven't found that peace inside of you. And this is an invitation into that kind of a trust. And you need to find that core trust in your Heavenly Father. And get your heart solid. And know we're going to make it through. We can weather this storm. And we can go through it. Because where sin abounds. There that grace abounds so much more. We've got more grace for what we're facing. The storms. You know verse 1 is your invitation. And you can stop right here and just say Lord. I accept your invitation to come close to you. Maybe I've pushed off every relationship in my life. Maybe I've not connected with people, but I'm connecting with you. God is not impersonal. You're not an agnostic. You have an emotional connection to God. Come in close to his heart. So number one is you go to where God's arms are. Verse 2 is interesting. This is a recipe for you. It's called heart and mouth. It's the heart and mouth recipe. It's the same way you get saved. You believe in your heart, you say it with your mouth. It's the same way you get protected. In fact, in the words, it's the same word in both the Greek and the Hebrew. Salvation and protection. It's the same. So with your heart and your mouth, you go, I will say, I will trust. I will say to the Lord, I will trust. This is not a thinking faith. You've got to let your ears hear your trust. And you may not feel like you trust God, but start saying it. Sometimes I have to preach myself free. Sometimes I'm scared. And I have to say, my heart trusts in you. The first verse is about your heart. The second verse is about your mouth. And do you know where we're failing God most? 
It's that slimy thing in our mouth. That little tongue. It's what keeps us all from being perfect. Don't tell Pastor Todd he thinks he preaches to a perfect congregation. <laughs> You're good sheep. It's your mouth. It's my mouth. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm one of my crossliners. It's good when they're not here. This thing about streaming gets me in trouble. But one of my crossliners, you know, sometimes we speak all kinds of things because we don't think we have any power. You know, it's bad enough when we say bad stuff to stand judgment. But you know, Matthew 12, 36 kind of bothers me because it tells me I'm going to stand judgment for every idle word. I was thinking about my bad words. <laughs> Complaining, something coming out of my mouth where I'm angry. No, your idle words. You know what idle is? Non-productive. Yeah. It's going to be a long judgment line. <laughs> <laughs> Every idle word. Unless you have a theology where you think Jesus is just joking. But he says it here. Well, anyway... Think about your mouth. There was a recorder on you this last week. I want to know how much productive speaking you did. Are you going to be trying to erase some tapes? <laughs> so my college student, she had been a crossliner and she was faithful. She was one of our best. She could stand up on our worship team and worship God with all the glory of heaven. And she was working two jobs here in Brownwood and she got off work at five and she had to be at work at five. So she was speeding to her next job from the pharmacy to Chick-fil-A. Well, another problem was she had to be in uniform. And she was cussing and discussing what she had to do to get another uniform on, how life, you know, how it is. And I'm getting off at 5 and getting there at 5. And suddenly someone way ahead of her slams on their brakes. And then the car in front of her slams on the brakes. And that's when she slammed on her brakes and she began to skid. And in desperation, if you can believe it, a string of cuss words came straight out of her mouth. My little angel, my little worshiper, the one who any man would have looked and said, there's the glory of God on this woman. She's God's will for my life. There she went and she said it out loud you know, you feel a little better. She braced for the collision. You know, as the cuss words were coming out of her mouth, she was thinking about what was going to happen in the natural. She was thinking, I'm about to hit this guy. It's going to be a collision of multiple cars, and my car's going to be totaled. You know how that is. You might have let a string out just because someone made you mad in traffic this week. But... You know, the devil had a paintbrush, and he was painting a picture of what her life's going to look like. She's going to be late for sure, even though she'd been putting on her mascara. <laughs> okay, her car's going to be totaled out of there. And suddenly she remembered a story I had told in Bible study. And suddenly she changed what she had said, and she said, Jesus, 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 one for each cuss word. Kind of like Peter, I love you, I love you, I love you. And so she said, Jesus, 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 I'm sorry, I repent. And she said, when I did, she said, my car stopped just in time. She said, I'd been skidding on the street, and I was prepared for the collision. And all of a sudden, she said, I stopped, unexplainably stopped, when there was no way to avoid the wreck. She said, I was so scared, I started shaking, but it was okay, no wreck. No injuries, nothing. Jesus had protected me just in the nick of time when I repented. I was going to tell you, you may need to do some repenting. I'll take the word may out. We need to repent <laughs> so we won't perish. You know, we're not giving God anything to work with with our cuss words. You know, the power of God is in his name. I remember my dad telling me a story. But when he first got saved, he had trouble with using God's name in a wrong way. And he didn't know, how am I going to be a Christian? You know how when you're a baby Christian? I know none of you mature people are doing this. But he was a baby Christian, and he slammed his thumb with a hammer. 
And when he did, out of his mouth, he opened it up. Mm. And blood was shooting out of his thumb, just straight up. You know how it goes. And he grabbed his thumb, and out of his mouth, he opened it, and out came that stream of, praise you, Jesus. He was as shocked over his mouth as he was his thumb. He said he took his hand off his thumb. He knew he had lost his nail, and there was no blood. There was no bruising, and it scared him. And he realized how much power there is in the name of Jesus. Why would we cuss with something when there's that much power in it? He said he never used God's name wrong again. I'm telling you, verse 2 is your invitation to invite in the power of God. Give God something to work with. Speak your faith. Speak your trust. You know, if you don't believe it, start speaking it. Faith comes by hearing. Hear your words. Hear that faith. It doesn't just come on you automatically. You re repent for the words of your mouth. We had a lady here in the church, and she came up to me, and I still can't. Oh, she actually came up to Steph. And I can't remember who she is, but she said to us, she said, I have an open door in my life. I can't get shut. And she said, the Lord said, well, 20 years ago, you were complaining. She goes, God, that was 20 years ago. And he said, but the door still isn't closed. So I would say, let's repent. Let's close some doors. It may be letting in some stuff we don't want to let in. Because if we believe in our heart negatively and we say it with our mouth, it works. So the first thing you're going to go home to do is to repent. And clean up what's happened with your mouth. Listen to how this sounds. I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my God in whom I trust. You know, I choose to trust you. Well, that just feels courageous. You just say those words. Speak that trust. Now, it's not enough to believe it without speaking it. If you have a thinking faith, repent. You need a speaking faith. You need it coming out your mouth. If you really believe it, it'll come out. My faith is so personal, so personal that don't share it. It's impossible. It will come out of your mouth what's in there. So verse 1 is get close with God. Verse 2, speak His Word. Verse 1 is your intimacy. Verse 2 is your confession. It's your declaration. It's where you're one of those confessing Christians. We use God's name the right way. You scream out to him like a crying baby. Be the loudest baby. Let him hear your voice. Verse 2. Now verse 3 is an unusual verse. There's two parts to it. And I never thought much about this verse until we were down in Mexico. And my mother was preaching. And guess what she was preaching on? Psalm 91. And literally, wherever she stops in that, I could get up and I could take over her notes and how she does it. Now, she does it completely different than me. And she's full of warm stories. Me, I try to whop you. <laughs> they always said my mother gathered, and I tried thinning them out. <laughs> I think this is the right church for that. Pastor Todd gets up every week and sees if you're strong enough to take the word. So that's what we're going to talk about is the ability to take God's word and apply it. And it is so living that no matter how many times I've heard Psalm 91 preached, no matter how many times I've heard it taught, I still get something out of it every time. Because the word's alive. So we were in Mexico, and we hear this word about the trapper. And I know what mom's going to talk about, how the trapper baits the trap with exactly what you want. And I'm listening to the words on traps. And suddenly, something occurs to me. And I have a friend in a trap that I've got to make a decision on. Now, have you ever felt like you were in a trap? It's happening a lot lately. You feel like either way you go, it's going to turn out wrong. 
I'm trapped. It's a miserable feeling. You don't have options. You know, animals, when they get caught in a trap, it's worth chewing your foot off to get out. I think Solomon said he was in a trap and he'd rather eat broccoli and be in the corner of the room than in the trap he was in. He had a thousand of those traps. <laughs> traps. You know, God makes a promise here that he'll deliver us from traps. And I'd never seen it before. It lit straight up that it says here, surely he will deliver me from the snare of the trapper. Whether it's a trap set in your path to catch you unawares, or whether you're a bird and you're flying high, and somebody throws a net over you and it crashes you to the ground. Do you feel like that sometimes in life? You're going high like you've never felt. And then something comes along and it tries to make you fall out of the sky. It's a trap. It's the high highs and the low lows. You're redeemed from the snare of the trapper. He cannot get that net on you. We had this guy, and this was the one I was trying to make a decision on, but he had contacted our Psalm 91 webpage. He told us, I've searched all the religions of the world, and he said, I'm going to commit suicide. And I was so thankful I got this email. He had given it a week. <laughs> Sometimes I don't get to my emails when I'm in a different country or something. This guy put a time limit on it. And in this, he was desperate like I'd never seen a man. We took some time, and we led him to the Lord by using the Psalms. He's in one of those religions where they don't take too kindly to us Christians. But he accepted Jesus, and he lives in a nation that isn't Christian. He doesn't live in a Christian nation, and he's under severe persecution. We understand when your nation's not Christian, it's persecution. So he actually had a violent man, a brutal guy, and the guy was demanding that he come to sing. Well, we knew one thing. It was a trap. No matter how you cut it, it was a trap. There was no sense for him to go see this guy. Well, one month ticks down off the clock until that day I'm sitting in Mexico. And suddenly, I hear that scripture in a way I've never heard it before. And this is what I wrote down. You know, actually, this trap, this ideal is, it is the ability to have the trap spring, for it to pop, for it to miss you as you walk towards it, for you to do an offensive move. You know, normally, you think this verse on trapping would be you get freed from it. You have the discernment. Well, if we did that, we wouldn't do anything. Everything's a trap. Why get married? It's a trap. Why? <laughs> Everything's a trap. Every relationship. I mean, but we take this verse and we look at it as a defensive posture. Walk out of it. But when I heard that verse, I heard it differently. And suddenly I had faith. Now, this is the craziest thing you ever would tell someone to do. And I love this guy. We had worked together. He had won so many people to the Lord. And I was about to make the hardest phone call. And I told him, walk straight into the trap. It'll spring and it won't catch you. Now, he told me, they're going to take my cell phone away from me. And I'll come out on Monday. My faith got tested. <laughs> Remember where the word of the Lord gets tested? Monday comes, Tuesday comes, Wednesday morning comes. I'm picturing, was that just a good feeling in me when my mom said those words? I'm telling you, Psalm 91, you've got to believe it with everything in you. And this trap was an offensive move. You've got to let the Lord tell you what to do. You've got to let him tell you whether to go forward or get out of it. You know, what's funny is he walked straight into it, and what he walked out with was a testimony you'll never believe. He walked out unharmed. But the interesting thing I put together is if we hadn't have done it, if he hadn't have gone forward, 
that the friend that he made in the belly of this trap, the man that he laid hands on, is now, one year later, giving him the place of safety to run to. And it saved many people. So these traps can be salvation if God goes with you into them. If you walk into the fiery furnace and you walk through the river, you'll not drown and you'll not be burned. Eyebrows will not burn off of you, but the Lord will protect you from these traps. Sometimes we're walking out of things and calling it God, but it's actually fear. And God has given you the power to be an overcoming Christian. He's given you the power to be powerful in His name. So God has this. So don't always think about backing out of traps or doing nothing or being afraid in life. I want to hear what you took a risk on. What God had you do because you do believe God's word. You know, you've got to have a lot, you've got to have a real crazy faith to have a lot of crazy stories. And Psalm 91 can give it to you. Mom told me she wrote the book in self-defense. They spent a lot of time on their knees. So these traps are two-way traps. Either way you go, you can be caught. Or either way you go, one is God and one is the enemy. You're delivered from the snare of the trapper. But look, it doesn't stop there. Lo and behold, it says, and from the deadly pestilence. Who knew <laughs> that... This crazy pestilence on the earth would be a trap. Who knew what we were going to face? You know, I was from Texas, and I thought the same thing everyone else did. I thought pestilence meant you got spiders on your crops or grasshoppers or locusts. That's a pestilence. It'd eat your garden down. I thought, wow, that's interesting. I'm delivered from grasshoppers. Those worms that eat everything. The canker worms. Pestilence, it means plagues, fatal diseases, infectious, epidemic sicknesses. <laughs> Shocking. Are you serious? I thought, I think I need to put a little more time on this verse here. He'll deliver me from traps and he'll deliver me from this scourge coming over the earth. This pestilence. Now, it's going to say it three times in the scripture. Put your armor on. Stand firm. You've got more than the way the world's telling you in the natural to protect yourself. You've got a protection that comes from his word. That he prepared this verse for the times we're living in. That he will deliver us from pestilence. Put it on. In verse 4, it tells you, He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you may seek refuge. Wow. The wings of God. You know, there's two types of wings. There's a flying wing. You think of that one as strength. Of course, we think of all the references to eagles, the Song of Moses, Isaiah 40. It talks about the strength of the flying wing. But this is a different wing that's offered here. This is a covering wing. You need both. You need something that will cover you. This is intimacy, familiarity, close proximity. This is Jesus saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. We don't want the Lord to say, I wanted to gather you, but you were not willing. Let yourself be gathered. That's an interesting thing that the Messiah, the God who made Jerusalem, would stand over the city and look at it and said, you were not willing. If God should go to Brownwood, up on Bangs Hill, the peak that looks over, he stands and he says, Brownwood, Brownwood, I would have loved to gather you. Like a hen gathers her chicks. Are we willing? Let's say, yes, as a people, we're willing. 
We want God to gather us. In Texas, gather us like a hen. This is his sheltering wing here. But I want to tell you something very clearly here. And this is where most people get it mixed up. There is nothing in here that says that protection is automatic for a Christian. It does not say you are a Christian and therefore you are under his wing. Psalm 91 is not automatic. I want you to pay close attention to the conditions. It's all through this psalm. What the Lord tells you to do. Circle those things in your Bible. Put them in yellow. Put your part in motion. Put it where you see. Okay, to have this, then I do this. God will make this scripture come alive to you and show you what you've got to do. You know, he's so creative. Every salvation's different. Every time he does a healing, it was different. Every time he protects you, every time he works with us, he does it a different way. See what he's telling you. It's not just being saved. It doesn't just give you this automatic protection. Study your points of obedience. I want you to check out your view on the promises of God. Because sometimes you think just because you know a verse or read it, it'll come about. I'm going to tell you, with promises, most of them are conditional. But what's so frustrating about it is it's so easy. We're making it too hard. The Lord said, is my word so far away that this is difficult? Sometimes I strive and I try too hard. And I've got to approach him like a child and I'll go, okay, Lord, let's make this easy. Let me just do it your way. You're smarter than me. Let me think your thoughts. You got a better plan of action? I'm going to quit telling you no. I'm going to repent for every time I told you no. Let's do it your way. This is called surrender. This is called selling out to the Lord. Quit resisting selling out to Him. Some of you have felt the urge of God not to just say you're my Savior, but you're my Lord. I'm selling out to you. But this automatic protection here, I want you to see what God says and it is so easy. You know, God's so funny in how he gives us illustrations. It was an illustration that happened out on our farm. And we had an old mama hen, an old red hen. And she hatched out a bunch of baby chicks. And my mom watched this happen, and it played out right in front of her eyes. And suddenly she knew. This is Psalm 91, verse 4. But as she watched that mama hen with her chicks, it was so much fun. You know how cute they are. They're running in every direction. And she had a whole bunch of those. And they were scattered out all over the yard. But suddenly, she saw the shadow of a hawk fly over. Now, when that hen saw that shadow, she knew what was going to happen. You know what hawks do. They come down, and you have a few less chicks. And so the mama hen taught my mother a lesson she'll never forget. What I thought would happen and what did happen were two different things. That mother hen did not run all over the barnyard and jump on those chicks in an attempt to cover them with her wings. She also did pick out her favorite chick and say, I'm going to take care of that one. I'm going to run. I think that's how we sometimes think. You know, God will just come and he just protects his favorites. You never know what's going to happen. It's the statistic odds. You know, she said the most amazing thing happened. Instead of running after him, that old mama hen squatted down. And what she did is she started squawking. And as she started squawking, she spread out her wings. And guess what? Those little chicks came running to her from every direction. And they did the smartest thing. They ducked underneath her. All that mother hen did was cluck and expand her wings and they knew where to hide. Then she pulled her wings down tight and she adjusted herself and she was tucking every little chick underneath her wings. And guess what? That hawk would have had to go through her to kill those chicks. So what the Lord said to my mom, I have made protection available to you. Now run to me. Amen. 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 Amen.
what you're getting from God is an upraised wing. He's lifting a wing for you to come underneath there. It's not automatic. Don't have this idea that I'd tattoo Psalm 91 on my backside <laughs> and that'll give me protection and miss that wing. That's what it is. It's as simple as a chick. How can we miss the salvation when it's free? How can we miss such a glorious gospel when God is laying this out for us? When I'm scared, I run. But I run towards God and not away from Him. I run to Him. And I may look ridiculous when I do it, but I get there first. <laughs> get the closest place to that downy feathers, that intimate spot, that beating heart. Get underneath the Lord's wing. You know, He's living away for us. In the New American Standard verse, it talks about May. You may, you may seek refuge. This is not automatic. His wings are lifted up. You know what's ironic about how this works? This protection, he does and I do. It's a partnership. He does and I do. So not one verse in this says this all happens for every Christian. Look for those qualifications. You know something? God will tell you something different than he tells me. He's so faithful. He doesn't want this to be mechanical. He wants you to find relationship with him. He has his ways of giving us a place of safety. Now, listen to this sentence. This is not a thinking psalm. This is not even just a saying or speaking psalm. But this is a doing psalm. So we have moved from saying, from thinking, from believing, to speaking, to now doing. You must do it. Don't be a hearer of the word and walk out and do nothing. It puts you on sand. It doesn't put you on something firm. Take something and put it into practice. Because in verse 4, the second part of this verse... It says his truth will protect you. You know, sometimes when I'm not protected, I realize I got a thinking error. There's something I'm not understanding truth on. The truth will set me free, so I need more truth in my life. So you know what I do? I go to the most hard-to-deal-with person I know. I have some in my life, but especially a few have that category of being hard-to-deal-with. And they'll speak truth to me. Because sometimes I can't see the barn in front of my face. And I'm going to tell you, just do a favor to yourself and quit going to people that tell you what you want to hear. Amen. You know, it can encourage you right to the grave. Sometimes I find truth more in the mouth of my enemy than I do someone close to me. You need a friend that blessed are the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of your enemy. You need someone who will tell you the truth. And that's what God's word's doing for you. The word here is so powerful. His truth will protect you. It's a shield about you. And if you need a bigger shield, put more truth in your life. Because you're in mental warfare. That truth will keep you sane. But you've got to be a seeker of truth. You know, one time I thought with the church, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on one side those who love truth. And on the other side, those who don't. Look in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. Just make a note of this and look it up. It says that you love truth so as to be saved. And I want truth in my life. Like, I want to understand what God's trying to tell me. It keeps me out of deception. It's coming on the whole earth. Everybody's getting crazy. You need to be putting truth in you. That truth is a shield. You're going to love this story. You know the movie Dunkirk. I don't know why they didn't put the God factor in there. But on the beaches, they were strafing the beaches with heavy fire. It was creating holes in the sand from the bullets. Now, if you were one of those men, there were 70,000 men in this one place on the beach. 
And as those warplanes flew over, those Nazi warplanes, and they were just raining down those bullets, what on earth can you do to hide on the beach? What can you do? What on earth can you do? Literal bullets, nothing to hide from. Planes were flying over, and they thought they could massacre the men on the beach. They were like, we are going to wipe out the British Army. And one chaplain laid down and he cried out Psalm 91. They said it was like a cry. There was nowhere to hide. And as he cried out that psalm, guess what? He believed the truth of Psalm 91 more than he believed the bullets raining down on him and his men. And the strangest thing happened, like a crime scene, you know where they make the chalk? drawing of the body and the position of the body, when he stood up, he stared at the outline of his shape in the sand. And from all the bullet indentions that had been around him, it was completely bullets except for the shape of his body. Did you know your shield exactly fits your body? It's exactly your size. It's truth. It's your shield. It's your faith. His heavenly shield must have been exactly the ramifications and the dimensions of his body. I like thinking about that. This is a powerful verse on the shield. It's a word they never use anywhere else in the Bible. I think that's why they start using words like bulwarks. Y'all, it means encompassing all the way around. Sometimes I need protection in a circle. This reminds me of a space aid movie where the shield comes around me and completely encircles me. And it'll make you have faith that you never could have before. We had this guy, Jake, and he was from Cross Lines, and he signed up for the Marines. He looked like a Marine. He knew the girls would love him in the uniform. He was a big strapping guy. And he was inserted first into Iraq. But the last night before he left and was being deployed, my mom spoke on Psalm 91. And he said the most amazing thing happened. When he was in heavy artillery fire, he could hear it pumping through his head. He said bullets were flying in every direction. I believe Psalm 91 when I'm sitting on a church bench. It's a different thing to believe it when bullets are whizzing. We may need this. And he said it was flying in every direction. Of course, he was writing our girls back home. Pumping through him. He said he started volunteering for assignments that no one else would take. Because he could hear my mother's words going through him. So he ran out and did things no other Marine would do. But he wasn't just praying for himself. He was praying for everybody in his unit. And guess what? A sniper hit his commander next to him, straight in the head. The guy fell to the ground, and Jake had been praying, and the guy went down. They ripped off this guy's helmet, and it was a clean shot straight into the temple. The bullet went there. It went through the skin. But the strangest thing happened. It didn't penetrate the bone. Have you ever heard of this? The bullet went all the way around the head and exited out the helmet. It arced. The guy thought he was dead. And he had a flesh wound. He looked kind of ugly. But he was living. Another Marine got shot straight in the helmet. Same thing. He went down. When the helmet came off, again, the bullet had shot him straight in the head. Gave him a flesh wound and never penetrated his bone. Jake knew he was into something unbelievable as he's quoting these words. I made a mistake with the Marine. I was interviewing him. We had a camera. His wife was sitting there telling me I would have never made it through alive hearing the evening news if I hadn't had your mom's Psalm 91 book. And I was reading it over my husband because I couldn't stand. The news makes me afraid. 
But guess what? I asked the dumbest question ever. I told him, I said, what was the enemy using in Iraq? Was it Russian ammunition? Was it no good? Was it Chinese? I shouldn't have asked a Marine that because little faith in me. I'm thinking something's wrong with those, <laughs> those bullets. You know, and then they start talking, men talk to you, 50 caliber, da, 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 and they start spitting it out. He goes, that should have burst that guy's head like a watermelon. I never forgot it. But the word of God was more real to Jake than the bullets flying around him. We've got all kinds of bullets flying around us. And we're going to start here next week with the four types of evil that we face. And in this next scripture, it'll talk to you about the terror by night, the arrows that fly by day, the pestilence that stalks in darkness and the destruction that lays waste at noon. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to need Psalm 91 on days you don't expect to need it. So Psalm 91's in your Bible for that day it catches you off guard. And I'm going to tell you this because this one's hot off the press on sudden terror. My crossliners, they didn't care if I was speaking today at the Cowboy Church. They had something they wanted to tell me. They had been in line for Whataburger in Grapevine, Texas at a military convention they're working this week. Taking care of kids while marriages are being healed and Psalm 91 books are being given out. And listen to how deranged they are. They're in line at Whataburger and there's a guy cursing and he's giving them mm, obscene hand motions. <laughs> and he's revving up his engine and he's screaming and he's gunning it. Well, you know, these girls, they believe Psalm 91. They said, God must have put us here. So they pulled right in front of him. <laughs> in line. They know the power of God's on them. And guess what he did? He pulls out a gun. Yeah, right there in line. He pulls out a gun. And guess what they said to me? Oh, it was so wonderful. It's such a good experience. We don't care that you're speaking on Psalm 91. We were praying Psalm 91 and everyone was under our protection. We prayed over everyone in line and it changed the situation around. Now those are crazy people. <laughs> One man said, you know, I think I'm getting a little insane believing God's word. If you believe Psalm 91, insanity will come over you. But he said, but I think I'm enjoying my insanity. And I thought, give it to a bunch of crazy kids. They really believe it'll work. And they pull up where the gun is. That is not how most people act. So I'm encouraging you this week, don't take this lightly. You were here for a reason. Be ready for it at any time the enemy comes after you. Because he is trying to terrorize us. Amen.
and a thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon you, therefore I will deliver you. I will set him on high, but he is not my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him, and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him, and show him 